Welcome to the Foundation Father podcast. With me today is King David, the quit porn strategist. His mission is to burn down the porn industry. <laughs> David, is that an exaggeration? Uh, no, that is that is my goal in life, is to burn down the porn industry. Hmm. I'm not entirely sure how I'm going to do it. It may or may not involve lighter fluid and a pair of matches, but I haven't gotten that far yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, so I've been wanting to talk to you for quite a while because you, because of that mission, for one, and you're not shy about talking about the dangers of, <laughs> or pornography, for sure. Right. So uh, just tell us a little bit more about yourself, how you fell into this role, how you got this mission. Okay. So the reason why I decided I wanted quit porn to be my niche, more or less, was because when I first got introduced to the manosphere side of things on Twitter, I noticed there's a lot of like older guys, right? So dads, fathers, and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, I can't exactly tell a husband how to be a better husband because I'm not married, so I don't have the firsthand experience. And I can't tell dads how to be better dads because I don't have the firsthand experience there. So I thought, okay, what have I done that has provided me tons of value and immense benefits that I can then teach other people to do? And I thought, I'm like, oh, I quit porn. You know, because I first saw porn at the age of nine, let's, I, th I think it was like nine, nine or 10, you know, so mm -hmm. super young. Back then, at that point, my first like exposure to it was scrolling through the app store on an old iPod, looking at like wallpaper apps. And at that point, I mean, like no nudity, but there were women that were either topless with something censoring and it would say like, oh, just download the app or buy the app and remove this. And I remember that was like the first thing that I was exposed to. But back then it was just, I was only looking at it, you know, to kind of get the, the arousal or the adrenaline or whatever. I didn't like masturbate or anything. And then around age, I think 12 or so, then, and this is actually super common. I've, I've had people tell me this all the time where a friend will introduce to them the idea of masturbating or watching porn. So I had a friend that was like, hey, you can do this and this will happen. And I was like, oh, okay. So tried it and was like, wow, that felt really good. Going to do that again. So I remember like, I actually remember this vividly. There was a few times when I was, I think like 13 or so that I was in the shower doing the deed. And I remember I, I tell myself like, I can't wait until I'm like 18 so I can actually do these things so for a while i like fantasized over getting old enough to actually go out and not just watch porn but like get with women i didn't understand what that entailed or what that looked like or how that would play out or anything so from 9 to 12 it was fairly innocent or i mean i guess i can't even say innocent but it was it was what you'd expect from a young guy right and by the time i was 13 or 14 i think parents caught me for the first time but at that point, it was just like, this is bad. Don't do it. These are these restrictions. You have to follow all these guidelines because we can't trust you. Which, by the way, is a terrible way to handle finding out your kid is watching porn. 
don't go like full-blown dictator we have to take away all your privileges this this and that don't do that it's a bad idea it will talk I, I think we'll talk more about that later but yeah yeah, yeah please yeah, continue that's a yeah, good topic we can definitely touch on that um okay so i think i was 16 or 17 this is actually something i don't talk an awful lot about but my porn use back when i was like heavily into it it actually escalated to the point where i would start to pursue strangers online so i would like share nudes with just any woman i could not locally but just women online like i'd seduce them essentially and i started and i knew like intuitively that i enjoyed that more than porn because it was like the whole thrill of the hunt kind of sensation like the sexual conquest playing out so i did that for a few years and it was kind of an on and off thing not proud of it obviously and then around 17 years old i all of a sudden couldn't get an erection without porn and that is not something that a 17-year-old should worry about. That should not happen. You should be fully functioning. No problems whatsoever. So around then, I started to, like, research. I was like, okay, like, my understanding of porn was it's just a bad habit and it's a sin, right? Because I'm Christian. So I knew, like, oh, this is bad. And for a while, I actually rationalized it as a thorn in my side. So I accepted it as my lifelong struggle which also helped justify using it because that's one of the tricky parts with addiction right you want to quit but there's a part of you that does not want to quit so saying it was a thorn in my side almost allowed me to justify it so i could stay in it so around that time i started to research because i was like okay the whole this is a sin it's bad i shouldn't do it that wasn't enough of a reason that wasn't compelling enough for me to actually quit and try and figure out how to do this so I remember like just thinking the off chance, maybe something's happening to my brain when I watch porn. So I started to research the effects of porn on the brain. And I started to learn about how it affects the reward circuitry. And your reward circuitry is essentially responsible for why you feel motivated and why you enjoy doing things. And the reward circuitry, you've got dopamine and other feel-good chemicals that are running through those neural pathways. And every single time you feel that way, because our brain's an efficiency machine, it wants to put two and two together as much as possible so that it's easier to experience that desired outcome. So how that relates to the whole porn use is your brain is all of a sudden getting used to a copious amount of dopamine a lot more frequently than it should. So it has to rewire to accommodate for that. So what ends up happening is your tolerance levels to dopamine increases significantly to the point where dopamine that you should be getting from you know having a good meal hanging out with friends natural things that give us dopamine you don't feel that after a while the world becomes very gray very plain when you're heavily involved in a porn addiction and i've actually talked to clients about that where they'll say like man i'm staying away from porn and like i swear the sunsets look prettier like, I find so much more enjoyment and stuff like that. So there's also other studies that go into talking about how porn use can affect the white matter and gray matter in your brain, where it actually alters that, which is, which makes sense when you relate it to actual drug use, because like hard drugs, using those, that changes the actual brain chemistry, actual structures in the brain. But that's mainly because a lot of those chemicals just react or they create dopamine or those kinds of things. 
So, and then you kind of dive into the gray area. Is a porn addiction an addiction? And the truth is the academic research on that varies. There's no conclusive evidence that says porn addiction is real. That being said, I 100% was addicted to porn. And I know people that are addicted to porn. So I know from my own anecdotal experience and talking to people that porn addiction is real. You'll have some people that'll say like, oh, porn doesn't affect me. And that's fine. But my take is any porn is too much porn. You should not look at any of it. They're fooling themselves is, right. is what it is. Right. Yeah. If it yeah. really doesn't affect them, then there's something seriously wrong. Right. Right. And that's kind of just typical with addiction in general. When you start to like justify like, oh, I don't have a problem. This isn't an issue. Mm-hmm. You're trying to cope with the fact that you subconsciously know something is wrong. Something needs to be fixed. So, but yeah, around 17, that was when I started to do like all the research and like what it was doing to the brain. And then I started to Google, you know, how to quit porn. And I swear I would have read every single article on the, on Google and watched as many YouTube videos as I could on how to quit. And it's, it's actually interesting because we talk about this on Twitter and just self-help movement in general, but you can fall into the trap of like self-development porn where you're always fantasizing about improving yourself and always consuming that content, but you're never doing anything to bring it into fruition. So I would read how to quit porn. I'd watch the videos, how to quit porn, but I also wasn't taking it super seriously. But part of the problem with the majority of quit porn advice that people give is the whole, just don't watch it, bro. Just don't think about it. Go have sex instead. Or you'll get into the church and the church will tell you to read your Bible more and pray more. And like, I'm all for reading your Bible and praying more, but I believe that's not going to be the only thing that's going to break your addiction. You have to take actual actionable steps towards breaking the addiction. And for me, the first time that I took action, it was summer of 2019. And I had just gotten back home from the pool staying at my grandma's house for the week and the pool is not the best place for a porn addict for obvious reasons so i came home obviously tense and ready to go and i remember i was waiting for the shower to like warm up or whatever because if you're a porn addict you know like before a shower is optimal time to do the deed so i was already in that habit right so i was sitting on the toilet porn on my phone loaded in one hand And then not to be too graphic, but doing the deed with the other. And I had this thought come into my head out of nowhere. And I swear I've never had anything like this happen before. But this thought came into my head that said, you are not going to feel any better after you do this. And as soon as that thought came into my head, I shut my phone off. I put it on the sink and I took my shower like nothing had ever happened. And that was a huge eye-opening experience for me. Because that was the first time that I had ever escaped a relapse. So I started to internalize kind of the lessons that I learned from that experience. And I realized, okay, there was active thought work going on there. And ultimately, I took action. Like, I actually did something. And that was a big breakthrough for me because I had never escaped a relapse. And when I say escape a relapse, I was actively in the process of relapsing. But I it did in it. I didn't finish or it didn't, wasn't a full relapse. 
So for me, that was a huge confidence boost because I had never done anything like that prior before. That gave me hope that I could actually quit porn because for the longest time, it was something that I had tried and tried and tried again, all, you know, just to fail. So for me, when I had that experience, I was like, yo, I can actually quit. It's like the alcoholic who walks away from the bar after he's ordered a drink and doesn't go through with it. Right. That sort of boost in confidence. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And then one of the other things that I started to do research is I started to treat my porn addiction like an actual addiction. Because like I had mentioned prior, so much of the advice people give is it's passive. It's inactive. They say, don't watch it. Don't think about it. That's very hard to do when your brain is addicted to chemicals that are being produced when you watch porn and have an orgasm. You can't just stop because your brain is dependent on those chemicals for normal function. So a few of the eye-opening... Sorry to interrupt, but that normally those chemicals are good. They're meant for bonding in a healthy relationship, right? It's It's what makes a marriage work in a lot of ways right but like so many things it can be corrupted but yeah yeah go on yeah no and that's actually interesting that you bring that up because if your brain is releasing all of these bonding chemicals if you will serotonin oxytocin dopamine so it's not it's not wrong to assume that you are creating a bond with the naked women that you're watching on the other end of the screen Because what ends up happening so often for porn addicts is they think I'm watching porn because I'm horny. I want to have an orgasm. What's actually going on is there is a stress, there is anxiety, there's depression, there is a negative emotion that you are trying to avoid because you don't want to deal with the stress or discomfort of facing it. You know, because it's always easier to avoid or put something off right so you go into porn you think it's because you're aroused the truth is you're actually stressed or feeling some other negative emotion and i don't have any like quote unquote science to back this but part of my hypothesis is when you're young you're experiencing all these new emotions that you're not used to so arousal being one of them but then also things like stress anxiety and depression those are going to hit you really hard when you hit puberty and your hormones start you know going out of whack So my hypothesis is when you find porn, initially you're using it more in a sexual way, but because you're essentially illiterate to your feelings, you'll accidentally use it to cope with negative emotions. And then over years of reinforcing that, you get to the point where you think you just watch it because you're horny. But then the truth is, is like, no, you're using it to cope with all these negative emotions. So part of what I do in my coaching is I help guys identify what's that deep-rooted issue that makes you go, I want to watch porn, and what do we need to do to address it and tend to that in real life. And then, of course, I also create strategies and plans and methods that they can implement and start seeing results on day one. You know, because that's one thing that I figured with the whole quit porn process. And this is when I started to look at it as an actual drug addiction. Because if you think like cigarette smokers don't just quit smoking by deciding they don't want to smoke anymore. Alcoholics don't just quit drinking because they decide they don't want to drink anymore. Or that's the initial catalyst, but that's not the method they quit. They have to wean themselves off. 
So you can apply a similar weaning yourself off framework to quitting porn. That being said, it's very difficult to do that because of the justifications or just the I mean, it's very easy to say, oh, I'm going to go look at a photo to get my fix and then finish without it. Like if you don't have a plan in place, looking at a photo to get your fix is going to turn into watching a full-blown porno before you know it. So that was the one of the other eye-openers for me is because I actually was quitting nicotine around the same time when they changed the tobacco laws to 21. I was like, okay, I got to quit nicotine now. And you don't just quit nicotine by not you know, if I stop taking it, because it's one of the most addictive chemicals on planet Earth, which is super dumb, because the reward you get from nicotine is not worth it being super addictive. So side note, I don't recommend anyone try nicotine, because I've actually quit nicotine two times prior, and I'm on my third attempt trying to quit. But I also have friends that use nicotine. So it's the whole like, you're the sixth person of the five people you hang around and like all of them are on nicotine. So that's also one reason why it's hard for me to get off of that completely. But yeah, that was the big thing. It's like, okay, I had an actual addiction that I had to treat like an addiction to get off of it. And I had the eye opener, the, the, the wow moment where I was like, oh, I need to do the same things for quitting porn. And then sure, like I had mentioned, you know, the deep rooted emotional issue, you can't just wean yourself off of that, you know, because you can get to the point where you don't need it. But if you have one slip up, because all too often, you'll have guys that'll go without it for a month or longer and then they'll relapse. And next thing you know, they spend a week, two weeks relapsing once a day, multiple times a day, where they just have this really hard downward, downward spiral. Mm-hmm. So what I do in the coaching, you know, because I work with guys for three months, is I give them all of the systems, all of the strategies that they need so that, say, they're off of porn, but a few months later, they have just one freak relapse. Well, I've given them the systems and strategies they need so that doesn't turn into a downward spiral. It's just a weird thing that happened and they're able to recover from it. Okay. Interesting. So you is there any differences that you found between your, your nicotine addiction and porn? Is was one worse than the other, or harder than the other to quit? Uh, it and what what might be the reason for that? The porn addiction was harder to quit. Mm-hmm. The nicotine. The thing with nicotine is, I am a very habitual user for it. So if I'm like working, it's like, oh, I'll put a nicotine pouch in, because I like to use like, I the 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 it's, people probably heard of them as like the Zen or the on pouches where it's a synthetic nicotine. It's just a pouch relatively harmless, but I use it where it's very much a part of like my habits. So if I'm working on something, there's a good chance I want nicotine and total side note. If anybody who's listening to this is addicted to nicotine, I highly recommend you start supplementing niacin because ever since I've done that cravings have almost completely gone away. I don't get bad withdrawals anymore. I mean, I'm at the point where if I wanted to, I could just be like, I don't want it anymore and I'd be fine. But the habits are so deeply ingrained that that's the tricky part. So other than nicotine being one of the hardest addictions to break, like you are more likely to quit smoking crack than you are to quit nicotine, which is crazy (laughs) to me. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, and it's like I said, nicotine is not even worth it. Is part but, of it that's so much easier to get nicotine? You don't have to really go out of your way for it? 
do you think? Yeah, it's it's very easy to get nicotine, and because my my method of choice is, I mean, this is my nicotine for the camera. I don't know if your listeners oh. will be able to see that, but it's just it's just right there. I get to put it in my mouth, and I can talk with it. I can drink with it. No one will notice or anything. Mm-hmm. So, but the reason I say that porn was harder to quit, despite me still being technically addicted to nicotine is the fact that the porn addiction, I was using it so that I didn't have to deal with negative emotions. Like the nicotine, it's just a chemical addiction. And I'm also not taking it super seriously because I don't want, and when I get withdrawals, I'm an asshole, if I'm being completely honest. And I just don't want to make people mad when I'm mad. (laughs) So, but with the porn, it's like, I would watch porn when I should be studying, or I would watch porn when I should be doing school, or I'd watch porn there were times I'd watch porn when I should have been hanging out with friends, should have been with family. There were a few times I remember I was, there was actually one time I was actively receiving nudes from someone while my family was sitting on the other side of the couch at my grandma's house. And we were all watching a movie. And that just goes to show, like I had reached a point where like I knew it was wrong, but I also just didn't care at all. Mm-hmm. Like I, the, just no part of me was like, ah, this isn't, yeah, it was just, it was a very, very, very not good place to be in. So, but yeah, as far as the which was harder, the porn was harder to quit. But that's because I had to do a lot of deep work. You know, I had to figure out why am I turning to this? What am I getting from it? And what can I do in my normal day-to-day life that's going to give me the satisfaction that porn was giving me? Because one thing I tell guys is like, you're, you can think of it like this. You're addicted to short-term gratification, and what you need to focus on is long-term gratification. It's easier to watch porn to satisfy your desire for feminine energy than it is to sit down, do the deep work, go get a workout in, eat healthy, and become the kind of man who is actually going to attract a woman with strong, desirable feminine energy. So that was one thing I tell myself. It's like, okay. Do I want to watch porn or do I want to do something that's going to get me closer to meeting my future wife? Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing that I look back on like in college and I, I hit college about the time where the broadband revolution was happening. And so that had started. So I was one of the first of the generation to, to be exposed to it so easily, or at least the, mm. the hardcore stuff, right? I just think back on how much time I wasted. And just like you said, doing stuff when you used to have been studying or, or whatever. But I am fully convinced that financially, I'd probably be in a better place now. I could have taken advantage of so many other opportunities without oh, yeah. it. And it's... And I, I look back on that, and I can definitively say that that is the case. And it is, you're giving your strength to pixels on the screen. Not even right. real women, like Proverbs warns about, but you're giving them to fake right. pretend women. And that energy is just dissipates into the ether, and you can't get it back. Right. And so, I, you mentioned some bad advice that, that you've heard or received yourself or heard mm-hmm. other people get why why do you think there's so much bad advice about this flying around is it because 
the it's, older I, generation just doesn't understand the yeah, porn. Yeah, I think a lot of it is people don't understand porn addiction, and quite frankly, nobody wants to talk about it because porn's always been a very taboo. I mean, for the longest time, the stigma was it was always the 30-year-old dude who still lives with mom jacking off to Playboy magazines. Hmm. Now, the unfortunate truth is we've got 12- and 13-year-old boys that are finding it on the internet and, you know, jacking off to that. So it's no longer, or yeah, part of it is the reason why we don't have good advice is because no one talks about it. No one cares to talk about it. But the other thing is many people don't see it as an actual issue. I mean, if your kids are going to a school, which we talked about on our, on the podcast I did with you, like, don't, don't send your kids to school, homeschool them. But at school, they're either being exposed to it by their friends or they're going to a health or a sex ed class that's telling them. It is healthy and it is normal to watch porn, which is not true. So they have this, you know, this is being reinforced in them from a young age now that there's nothing wrong with watching porn. But the other thing that's worth mentioning is as you quit porn, you're going to start experiencing, you'll have more energy, you'll have more confidence, you'll have more mental clarity, you'll have more focus, you'll be more productive, you'll be more creative, your testosterone levels are going to increase. There's a plethora of benefits you experience, but if you can't go past the one week or the two week period without it, and you're conscious trying to experience those benefits, or you're aware of those things, then you're going to think I'm crazy when I tell you that you're going to have more energy. It's going to be easier to attract women. It's going to be easier to talk to them because what happens is kids are finding porn now at ages like six, seven they're finding it at very young ages. So these kids, these people, they don't know what life is like without porn. So when you tell them your life is better without it, they cannot, they can't comprehend what that looks like. They can't comprehend a porn-free life. Yeah. So, yeah. So for me, I was one of the, another thing that made it easier for me to quit is I focused on the positive benefits. So whenever I went without porn, I realized I do have more confidence. It is easier to talk to women. It's easier for me to pick up on the cues that she's sending that she's attracted. You know, like a porn addict, a porn addict is not going to be able to pick up on the glances that a woman gives him just because he's not in tune with his own energy to pick up on that. Or he's so anxious that he can't think of it in the right way. So for me, I would go a week or two without it, and I would notice, like, I'm picking up on these cues women are giving me. It's easier to talk to them, easier to, you know, build a relationship or a friendship. And for me, because I had experienced that, whenever I had the urges, I would remind myself, like, okay, do I want to watch porn or do I want to have the energy and the confidence that I need to talk to real women? You know, because focusing on those positives is going to make quitting easier because one of the things i tell guys is like when you relapse and if you beat yourself up and you feel like garbage and you feel like shit and you or can i say whatever i want on your podcast yeah, that's, or... <laughs> that's, if sometimes it's appropriate yep right okay just wanted to check there but anyways so like i was saying is if you watch porn because of anxiety stress and depression and you relapse, and you feel anxious, stressed, and depressed afterwards, and you then tell yourself, I want to quit, so I no longer feel this negative way, 
you're meditating on that negativity and you're harboring it and it's going to perpetuate another relapse. So what I'll tell guys is live and learn, forgive and forget. When you relapse, figure out what went wrong and then forget it ever happened. Because the longer you dwell on the negativity, the more likely you are to relapse again. And one of the concepts I talk about inside my masterclass is the idea of meta separation. And if you try to Google meta separation, you're going to find some kind of like water filtering mechanism or system <laughs> or whatever. So it's my own intellectual property. But meta separation is the act of consciously separating your thoughts or desires from the quote unquote addict brain, which is the part of you that wants to watch porn and doesn't care what it takes to watch it versus your sober mind, which is the part of you that wants to quit and wants nothing to do with porn. So meta separation is the active thought process of reinforcing your thoughts from your sober mind over your addict brain. And an example of meta separation is like what I had said prior, where it's okay, I want to watch porn, but I'd rather have confidence to talk to real women. That's an example of meta separation. And it's one of those things where in the coaching, I really, really, really dive into meta separation because the mindset is super powerful. I still use meta separation to this day to not get rid of porn cravings. But if I'm tempted to procrastinate on work, I'll give I'll run through a meta separation framework so that way I can realign myself with my goals. So I've, I've thought about making a course just on meta separation, but because I don't talk about it an awful lot, it wouldn't really make sense. But all of my clients, masterclass students, anybody that has used meta separation swears by it. Hmm. Yeah, it's a little harder to define the value of something like that as opposed to the direct use for an addiction. So, yeah. Right. Mm. So you all, you've, um, you've said you are a Christian, but you've tried to make the system for everybody. Right. And why was that important to you? The biggest reason I wanted to keep religion out of my quit porn methods was because the honest truth is religion didn't really help me quit. So, you know, because like I had mentioned, people will say, oh, read your Bible and pray more. Because that wasn't how I quit and it wasn't effective for me and it wasn't enough of a reason for me to quit. I realized when I was turning my quit porn story into a series of strategies, I realized I should probably keep religion out of it. And I actually did some market research on it too, because I would I went on Amazon and, you know, searched how to quit porn read the books, or not read the books, but I read the comment sections of people that had bought the books. And usually what happens is most quit porn advice comes from a religious figure. So a pastor, a priest, or just some Christian guy. And it's framed through a Christian lens. But what ends up happening, right, is like I had said prior, they view it as a sin. Just don't do it. It's a sin. Just stop doing it. It's what are, why are you having such a hard time with this? You know, and the matter of the fact, like I said, is your brain is chemically addicted to dopamine and you're using it as an unhealthy emotional coping mechanism. And yeah, there are things in Christianity that'll help people overcome an unhealthy coping mechanism. But the thing with the market research I did is people that were not Christian would get the book 
even though the author swore, if you're not a Christian, the stuff in this book still applies to you. There were Christians that read those books and they commented and said the author lied. It did not help. If you were not a Christian, this book is not for you. So I knew right then and there, if I wanted to reach more people, I needed to keep religion out of it. It also worked since I didn't quit with religion. But the biggest reason why I don't have religion in my methods is because if someone reaches out to me that they want to quit porn, they then know that I'm going to be able to help them. And it's not a religious thing, but it's also a really good opportunity for me to give testimony or anything like that. It's a way for me to reach out to people that are struggling to show them a better way. And then through meeting me, you know, they get to experience Christ in me. And then I get to give testimony that way. And then also because the topic of quitting porn is no longer just a religious thing. You know, you'll see the pickup artist guys or red pill guys that'll say, don't watch porn because it's making it harder for you to. I mean, they'll usually say sleep with women. It's making it harder for you to, you know, land a date or land a lay or whatever. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of people that wanted to quit porn for reasons like that. And I obviously, you know, from a marketing standpoint, wanted to take advantage of that. But the biggest reason, yeah, it's like despite Christianity playing a very important role in my life, I knew for quitting porn, if I wanted to help as many men as possible, the smart move was to keep religion out of it. You know, that being said, most of the clients I've had so far have been Christian because it still is predominantly, you know, Christian men that want to quit. But I'm also working with someone who is agnostic. And if my methods were read your Bible and pray more and meditate on scriptures, then guess who wouldn't be quoting porn right now? Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest reason why I kept religion out of it, despite my unending love for Jesus Christ. Right. So it's just being all things to all men or an attempt to be. Right. Um, yeah, I'd almost describe my my motivation for starting my Twitter account was was on similar lines because there were so many, I realized, people that just did not know certain things because the church has failed to uh, to articulate certain things. Just like you've said in, in terms of dealing with porn, the tools are there, but they can't articulate the truths properly or we've buried our hand, head in the sand or we've tried to emasculate certain things. And so the epiphany came when it was like, one guy said, hey, did you know there's actually some serious masculine guys in the bible like king david it's like oh like our culture has become so paganized that they don't even know about um david and right abraham they just don't know um and these are just good stories regardless of what you are even if you want to treat them as myth oh yeah um so it's so i i get where you're coming at for sure and the the desire to appeal to to a broader a broader reach um so you you also recently started an accountability group the pack ah, yes so what what drove you to start that and how is it 
an extension of the class or is it an extension of the class? Uh, I have found that most of the people who have joined the pack already have the master class, which that's the best combo other than getting coaching from yours truly is if you want to quit porn, I recommend people join the pack, get the master class. And then if you want to quit porn and live with the confidence of being porn free for the last year, the rest of your life, then message me. We can get coaching figured out. But the pack is doing wonderful. Um, it's continues to grow. And the reason why I created it was actually because back in the day, you know, everybody says you need an accountability partner. I did not utilize my accountability partners. Uh, it was always after the fact, like a day after I'd slip up, I'd say, hey, I messed up the other day. Can you pray for me? Like, despite that I had people that like they were my accountability partner nothing came of it so it almost sounds counterintuitive well why did i make an accountability group when the accountability partners didn't benefit me well the truth is is if i did hold myself accountable i would have quit a long time ago it would have been a lot easier mm-hmm. so i created the accountability group because that's a resource that looking back on I would have really, really benefited from had there been something like that available. It also, you know, it just goes to show like we've got, you know, Alcoholic Anonymous and other addiction groups that are beneficial for people. Just simply being able to talk about the fact that you have this struggle, because that's one of the problems that so many men have. And one of the reasons why they can't quit is because they haven't properly dealt with the shame revolving around the addiction. Because every guy that's addicted to porn thinks they're the only one that struggles with it, especially when people aren't talking about it. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you join the pack, you then realize there are other men that have this struggle. There are other men that know exactly what it's like to go through what you go through every single day. But there are also men inside the pack who have already quit porn, like myself and a few others actually. And then you have other members inside the pack that are getting coaching from me so they can help people with some of my tidbits without getting it directly from myself. But it's mainly, and I've also got some quit porn trainings in there. There's one for overcoming or learning your triggers. There's one for overcoming temptation, which is actually just a temptation hotline. And the way that it works is the guys in the heat of the moment send a message in the temptation hotline and as many people as possible are going to rush in and ask what's going on. What can we do to help? What are you feeling? Why do you want to watch it? And one of the pack members, he, it that was the reason why he ultimately quit porn because he was stuck in the relapse every or once every three weeks. And when he started to message in the temptation hotline, because the guys inside there is like, we're not going to let you relapse unless you just stop messaging and don't respond. If you are engaging in the conversation in the temptation hotline when you need it, I guarantee you, you're going to overcome the temptation. You're not going to relapse. And that in and of itself is hugely powerful. So there's the training to overcome the temptation, which is a temptation hotline, along with some steps to help. There is a relapse recovery channel where whenever someone relapses, because unfortunately, it's more likely that someone will let you know they relapsed than they're tempted to watch porn. But the Relapse Recovery Channel, and this is all hosted on Discord for those who are interested, but the Relapse Recovery Channel is for you to go in and message, I relapsed, this is what happened, what do you guys think about this? 
because one of the reasons why it's difficult to quit porn on your own is because you don't have someone else that's looking and picking up on things that either they've experienced and they know how to overcome or from someone like myself being able to study someone's relapses because that's one thing i do with my clients is whenever they relapse they go through the relapse framework that i created for them and they let me know what happened so i can look through it and essentially analyze it look for the habits look for the triggers look for the reason why they did that because then i'm able to talk to them and be like look this is why you relapse this is what we need to do to make sure it doesn't happen again and it is a lot easier when you have someone telling you you know how it is as opposed to thinking oh why did this happen why did i do this so the relapse recovery is you say what happened we go over it and we help you through it there's also the trigger trainings which acts to help guys identify their triggers and how to overcome them uh there's one in there about mindset and then there's another one for bad habits because that's another thing that i started to pick up on as far as quitting porn goes is you have other habits that are playing into your addiction that makes it harder to quit. And one of the things I do with my clients is I help them identify those habits. And then we replace those bad habits with good habits or healthier habits, which then decreases the likelihood of them relapsing, decreases the desire or the urge to want to watch porn. And ultimately, they get to start living their best life a lot sooner than quitting porn and then figuring it out along the way. Because I help guys quit porn, but I also help them lay the foundation so they can live their best life. So mm -hmm. that's what I do in the coaching. But yeah, with the pack, you get access to temptation hotline, relapse recovery, trigger training, the bad habits training, the mindset training, and then the community of us guys in there. And then we also have a weekly Zoom call on Thursday, which is basically a group coaching session. And for anybody listening to this who's interested $10 a month for group coaching is as a steal. And sure, don't get me wrong. Sometimes on the calls, we just talk and porn won't even be mentioned because it's just us, you know, because the idea with the pack is I want everyone inside the pack to become brothers. Sometimes that has to happen without talking about porn. So some of the calls are like, like we'll really dive into someone's situation and help them. Other times it's just us guys talking about whatever comes in our mind so and those are thursday nights at 7 p.m central time so i highly recommend i mean if you're addicted to porn and you don't take advantage of joining the pack then i don't know what to tell you <laughs> yeah ten dollars a month is not that much oh yeah um, especially to start getting your life back and yeah and the danger with some of something like this I think, and I'm glad you mentioned that you just, sometimes you just get together and talk because you don't want to get so wrapped up or create an identity around. I'm a victim of, right. of porn, everything I'm defined by my porn addiction, or I'm completely defined by this. You, cause that's its own sort of trap. Right. And so right. you can't, you've got to make friends and brothers that have other interests. <laughs> Oh yeah. In in order to escape escape that pit. Right. Um so let's yeah. let's talk about prevention a little bit, especially for if if a guy has a son and or a few sons and he's thinking about starting to think about this. 
um, because he he loves his sons and he knows the dangers of porn. That's just a trap waiting for him. What advice would you give give to him to help with prevention? Right. So, and this is actually funny because I just got done talking about this on a podcast I recorded last night with an award-winning male porn star. And we actually talked about prevention methods because surprise, surprise, he, well, I don't actually think he's recording anymore. He's retired. He's since totally changed. He went from, or he helps guys overcome issues that a porn star would just so happen to know how to overcome like performance or, you know, erectile dysfunction, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Cause like, that's the whole job. The reason I bring that up is cause he, told he's he straight up just said don't watch porn it's not worth it Mm -hmm. um but i bring that up because we talked a little bit about prevention and some of the things we discussed was the there are two big things you can do you can have open and honest conversation about it which is going to be the most important to establish that communication and or you can essentially not let your kid near technology at all because at this point, I'm convinced that the algorithms on social media are one of the first things they're going to promote is provocative content. I mean, I could download TikTok right now and probably within a few minutes, I'd see some chick twerking on my screen, you know, and then you could click on her profile and it's going to take you to an OnlyFans, you know. So, yeah, you could not let your kid have a phone which that way they'll most likely not see it. But then again, their friends at school are probably going to show them. But the yeah. biggest. Yeah, yeah. I had friends in my senior year of high school, a picture that was being passed around on our TI-83 calculate, graphing calculators, <laughs> a pixelated nude. Wow. I mean, people will find ways to share this stuff no matter what, right? It's, oh, yeah. it's almost impossible to avoid. No matter how many fences you build, there's always going to be a way over the fence or under the fence or whatever. Right. right. So I, and I think, or I don't think I, I more so know, but as far as like prevention goes, you need to have conversation. Unfortunately, this is a conversation that needs to be had with sons and daughters. Cause while I don't work with women, I know for a fact, there is one young woman who's got my master class and she's gone through it. And every once in a while, I'll check up on her to make sure she's doing okay. And it has helped her a lot. She's made a lot of progress away from porn. But I bring that up to say, like, porn addiction is no longer just a man's issue. Unfortunately, there are girls that are finding porn and they're becoming addicted to it as well. So what needs to happen is we need to have conversations with young, with our kids about, A, the dangers of porn, but most importantly, why sex is sacred, why it needs to be kept for marriage, and why you're better off without porn. So essentially what that would look like, you know, talking to a kid is make sure they know that like sex is an expression of an act of love. And it also serves, you know, to make babies, to procreate. Those are good things. That's how the good Lord intended it. You get married, you have sex. If you're married, you should be having a lot of sex. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So make sure that you portray sex in a healthy way. Don't let your kids know, like, hey, if you got questions, ask them. I don't I don't care what it is. Ask me literally any questions about sex or anything like that. 
because um, that'll encourage healthy discussion about it. And then, I mean, you may even have to let them know, like, you know, you're going to find this content online and it's not good for you. And if you watch it, then this may happen. But if you don't watch it, you're, I mean, frame it. And I'm trying to think, like, how do you explain this to a kid that would understand? I think, you know, because I'm not a dad, so I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm really trying to think on, like, what would you specifically want to tell a kid, especially a young guy? I know, like I had mentioned, you want them to know that sex is good and it's okay for them to desire to want to have sex. And I even tell my clients and dudes that take the masterclass, like your desire to watch porn is not inherently wrong because ultimately your desire to watch porn is actually the desire to overcome anxiety, escape depression, or stop being stressed in disguise. So I tell people, like, you need to almost validate the fact that you want to watch it as opposed to shaming yourself for it because there's something else there that needs to be uncovered. But as far as that relates to, like, the conversation with kids, it's like, you know, you're going to have desires, urges, and that's how God made you. He wants you to have those, but he wants you to keep it for marriage because if you're not married there are severe consequences if you don't do that, right? Like, I mean, the possibility of having a kid outside of marriage, getting your heart broken. I mean, everybody knows, I mean, not everybody knows. I wish everybody knew that heartbreak is going to hurt a lot more if you've been going to pound town regularly because your souls are connecting, Mm -hmm. you know? And yeah, and part of it is talking about the esoteric side of sex. It's like, yes, your souls are connecting with one another. Every time you have sex to become one, you're giving a part of yourself away to someone. And you have to ask yourself, is that someone a person that's going to hold on to that part of you for the rest of your life? So it really comes down to having healthy conversations about sex and then also like letting them know like, hey, there's this content online. Like you'll see photos of naked people and it serves to damage God's design for sex, you know, and I suppose for the non-religious listeners, well, okay, this is all religious. How does this apply? It's, it really like, you got to think, you know, these are, I guess if your kids are younger, or I'm trying to think like really young, you want them to know that sex is not bad. Sex outside of marriage Mm -hmm. is bad. Uh, unless you're not worried about sex outside of marriage and you just want your kids not to watch porn, then like let them know like, hey, if you watch porn, you're not you're not going to get a good erection or you're not going to have lots of energy or confidence levels. And I, even that, I feel like it's a harder concept for kids to grasp. And I, I kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm trying to I've, articulate. I think I've heard it There's said. There's so much that could be said. Yeah, I've heard one analogy they use what you know if you're thirsty do you want to go to this clean well or the water filter or do you want to go drink out of the toilet Mm. um you know your thirst is good and god made made you to quench that thirst but where are you going to get the water um so so that might be a good analogy um and i think 
the age of the children probably it depends on the kids and your environment but the more the more i read the more i'm looking at things it seems if if your son in particular if he is close to teenage age and he has had an electronic device alone in his room 99% of the time he has porn. he has seen porn yeah. and if you ignore that if you do not want to run the risk of investigation because you want to feel like everything's fine in your house porn will completely destroy it um, it right. will destroy your son and he's going to live with the consequences you're going to feel guilty about it so it's it's much better to have it out in the open right for sure right yeah and i mean you really and like i touched base on prior you know when i was like 14 or whatever and i got caught you know i was punished and had i not been punished there's a good chance that healthy conversation could have been encouraged and instead of me feeling like if i mention anything sex related i'm going to get in trouble and i don't want to get in trouble it's almost one of those things where i mean i don't even I don't, my, I don't even get, tell my clients, like, oh, you need to punish yourself whenever you relapse. No, that's ridiculous. You know, so think about it. Like, if you find out your son is watching porn, then first, like, let him know, like, hey, you're not in trouble. I, you, you are not going to get punished. Like, don't, don't, don't discipline if you find out he's watching porn. Instead, like, have those conversations, like, it's going to be weird. You know, don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's going to be a weird conversation. But you can, like, let them know if you've had experience with it. Like, hey, I used to watch it. Now that I don't, I'm a lot happier without it. If you want to talk about what that looks like, we can talk about it. Um, I, I think it comes down to encouragement, too. Like, let them know it's their choice to watch it or not to watch it. Um to make sure that it doesn't become an addiction. I mean, yeah, you can like use site blockers so they can't get a hold of it, which is not a bad idea. But like realistically, all you have to do, I mean, I don't I mean, I guess anybody who's addicted to porn already knows this, so I'm not like giving people ideas. But if you want to find porn, all you have to do is download a VPN and open up incognito on a Chrome browser and bam, you can get around any site blockers that parents mm -hmm. come up with. That being said, if you block it early enough, maybe they won't find like the full-blown porn sites. But even on that, like they're they're gonna find photos that are softcore on Instagram and on TikTok and whatnot, which but, admittedly are easier to deal with than the full-blown videos. Right. The the porn they can come across now. That's what people don't understand, especially some of the older generation. This isn't just a stack of Playboys. Right. This is much these are new memories and movies that they are implanting in their brain right that will affect them for the rest of their life and it's not that the playboy wasn't bad but there's a huge difference between a static image and a full-blown immersive experience right <laughs> it's oh yeah it's, it's night and day yeah no not that see and that's an interesting thing too i i, I talked about that on a podcast i did with grimhood where we talk about addictions, and I highly recommend anybody listen to it who's struggling with any addictions, really. But one of the points he brought up is, like, the blue light from your devices is one of the reasons why internet pornography is so addictive. 
is because it's interacting with your brain at a much different level. The blue light itself is making, I mean, it's making your brain produce even more dopamine, which makes it even more addictive. And just the fact that, like, let's use the Playboy versus internet porn example. You're going to get to the point where you've seen all of the models in the Playboy, and just the fact that you've seen it, you're not going to get as aroused by it. That does not happen with internet porn. There is always a new photo. There is always a new video. There is always a new actress. There's always something new that you can go watch and get another hit of dopamine from. And that's actually an interesting side note is a lot of people misunderstand how dopamine works. They think that dopamine is only a reward. Dopamine is also an incentivizer or it acts as a motivator. And the two things that and the, well, the reason why that plays out like that is on a primal level, us as people are motivated are primarily by two things, to eat food so we stay alive and to have sex so our gene pool stays alive. So whenever you eat food, your brain is releasing dopamine. But get this, whenever you think about eating food, your brain is releasing dopamine because your brain wants you to eat food so you stay alive. So when that comes to sex, when you're having sex, your brain's producing dopamine. When you have an orgasm, it gives you the most dopamine. But even when you think about having sex, your brain is releasing dopamine. And another interesting, or yeah, the unfortunate reality of this all is your brain on a subconscious level cannot tell the difference between sex and porn. So everything that's good that goes on in your brain when you're having sex with your partner, ideally someone you're married with, all of those things that are beneficial in that context are happening when you watch porn that are detrimental. One of those is the fact that the lateral orbital frontal cortex, which is a part of your brain that's responsible for rational decision-making and logical thinking, it shuts down almost entirely when you have sex. Because your brain can't tell the difference between porn and sex, your brain starts to shut down when you watch porn. So that's why if you've ever started to watch porn and you can't stop yourself and you can't remember how you got there or why you were watching it or, you know, and then you do the deed and then you have post-nut clarity, post-nut clarity is that part of your brain turning back on. And it's good that that part of your brain shuts off when you have sex because let's be real. Nobody wants to worry about anything when they're having sex. You don't want to be anxious. You don't want to be depressed. You don't want to feel these negative emotions. The but point when is you to watch lose porn, yourself and the right. other person. Yeah. Right. Because you want to be fully invested. You want to be going at it on a primal level. But when you're watching porn, that's where it becomes an escapism. Because it is all too easy to spend two hours watching porn completely zoned in on what's going on. And almost being in like a, almost yeah, just I don't even know how you would. Our people describe it as like being in a trance. Mm -hmm. They start watching and they're not thinking straight. And next thing you know, when they finally do the deed, their brain turns back on, and they're like, "I can't believe I just did that." Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I think the generation that's having kids now. And that's the kids are just hitting teenagers. I think most of the fathers will have been exposed to porn at some level. So hopefully, 
they'll be able to treat it with some some sympathy. Um, I, I think one pastor I heard what he he did with his his son, his oldest son, and I think this is the one of the best some of the best advice I've heard. And he actually has a good head on his shoulders about it. Is that as soon as they discovered he had been watching it, they took him to a friend, an, another older man who's who was a mentor. And that older man is the one who was, who provided more accountability and helped him through it. Because, you know, right. sometimes you don't want to talk with your dad about this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little, it's sometimes it's easier to talk with another trustworthy right. man about it because you don't have to feel as ashamed. Um, and this will depend on the relationships, but not the kid, but that's another option as well. If you, if you have someone in your community that you trust, that your son looks up to something someone who can treat them with some some respect and dignity through the whole thing right. can help a lot. Right. Yeah, because it's, it's one of those things like, yeah, does dad want to help as much as he can? Absolutely. But there are some situations where it is better for dad to outsource his influence in that area. But it's also important to know, like, yeah, your son, and this is just an interesting point to make in general. The even sons and fathers that have a super healthy relationship, it's still good for the son to go seek out other father figures because just, you know, because dad may have been a great businessman and in shape, but dad may not have a very good idea on how to lead people, you know? So go find a father figure who knows how to lead people and learn that from him. You know, that's why on Twitter, we talk so much about invest in yourself and hire a coach. Find people who are living the lives you're living, pay them to give you the secrets and do, I mean, it took me three years to quit porn. I helped dudes do it in three months. So do you want to do what I did and save your money? Ooh, money. (laughs) Or do you want to quit porn in three months and live your best life ever? Yeah. So, but yeah, no, that is good advice to, if, yeah, let the father figure out whatever that situation is on your own, but just know that if your son feels more comfortable talking to someone else, it's nothing against dad and it's not going to damage or impact the relationship there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't let it, if right. you don't let your pride get in the way. Right. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. I think we covered quite a bit. Anything yeah. else you wanted to add? Like what's next? What's next for you? And, Uh, The next thing that I want to do is I actually do want to get into churches. And the way that I want to do that is I want to create a quit porn coaching curriculum that I will be able to sell to churches and the churches will have a quit porn coach certified under me. So they'll be able to teach my material. And then, so I'll sell the curriculum to the church and they'll have the ability to use it as many times as they need to. And I'll just create that, get coaches certified under me, and get it to as many churches as possible and help even more men that way. You know, because my coaching, it's a premium, but through the quit porn coaching curriculum, I would be able to help even more men, maybe over a slightly longer period of time, like six months. But, you know, because as much as I'd like to coach as many people as they need me, it's like this is my... I mean, coaching is my job, right? So I need to make Mm -hmm. sure that I'm financially reimbursed Mm -hmm. and I need to make, yeah, yeah, just the little nuances there. But the next step 
is to create the quit porn coaching curriculum, sell it to churches, get other coaches certified by me, and then throw the match on the fire that is the porn industry. <laughs> Douse it with gasoline. Burn it down. Yeah. yeah. That's a good idea because so many churches, despite being, even if they have good men in charge and they're strong, they're faithful, so many just do not feel equipped to deal with some of the real problems that are coming down the line or right. are happening right now. And it is just a ticking time bomb. Right. And so I think well, that's, I've, I've that's even had, yeah, no, and it's just an interesting anecdote. I've had people that are inside the pack that are going to churches where they do have some kind of like purity discussion or accountability. And the man who is leading the group, will often admit to, yeah, hey, man, I just relapsed the other day, too. You know, so we've got men that are in positions of leadership trying to help other dudes hold themselves accountable, but they're slipping up. And mm -hmm. for them, that's just like, well, he's slipping up. Why do I need to quit? So, yeah, the yep. whole get, get the, yeah, I want to get the curriculum done for churches so they actually know how to handle this stuff. Yeah, the disciple will be like the teacher. Yeah. In lots of ways. Um, okay. Well, thank you very much. I have all the, uh, the links to where you can find David and his courses will be in the show notes, but, um, we'll be out. That'll be the end. Thanks so much for coming. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, man. I really enjoyed it.